VA Health and Benefits, official mobile app for VA Health and Benefits. VA's official mobile app is a smarter, more convenient way for veterans to manage and carry their VA Health and Benefits information. One veteran notes, I went into my local hardware store and logged into my VA mobile app. A quick glance at my phone showed them I was a veteran and I was able to get the veteran discount without any paperwork. It was easy and convenient. Download the app via the Apple Store at https colon forward slash forward slash apple dot co forward slash three uppercase j lowercase b lowercase k nine uppercase o lowercase l or download the app via the Google Play Store at https colon forward slash forward slash bit dot ly forward slash 3 uppercase q 5 lowercase q 9 uppercase l 5Welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis. I am the host. Oscar Mike Radio is a Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubazoo Network. You can find out more on hubazoo.com. I'm so excited, folks. And I'm excited because I have my sponsors, Joyce ASAC of ASAC Real Estate, Army National Guard veteran Mark Holmes of Reapers Detailing and Power Washing, and my supporters, all veteran-owned businesses, Semper Savage. Bottom Gun Coffee and Quezon Shaving Company. And I can't tell you how excited I am. A lot of firsts in this show, and we'll get to it. Um, we have a Marine Corps veteran, another Marine Corps veteran. I'm a Marine, so this is all good. She laid down a challenge, and I accepted, so that's all good. So without any further ado, I want to welcome Marine Corps veteran Tina McCulloch, from Ernie's Bakery in Colorado. Tina, welcome to Oscar Mike Radio. Thank you very much, uh, Travis, and thank you for welcoming me to Oscar Mike Radio. I'm really excited to be here, and it's all veteran-based and veteran-backed, and that, that's really exciting to me, and I'm exciting to I'm excited to talk about my bakery and how I'm involved with the veterans up here in the Rocky Mountains. Oh. It's, it's going to be epic. And, and, and so we are both Marines, Semper Fidelis. Um, Semper Fi. Semper Fi, do or die. Hey, diddle diddle, straight up the middle. Tell me about your Marine Corps experience. Um, my Marine Corps experience, I'm happy to say, was rather unique. Okay. Uh, I went to a very small high school in Washington State. And... Um, the only military that came on career day were the Marines. And, <laughs> and um, I wanted to go to college, only, you know, my family didn't have the wherewithal. And even though this was 1977, uh, what I wasn't aware of, even though they started to talk to me uh, around, oh, the spring of 77, maybe or maybe late winter um i signed um right after i graduated and night and and then in 77 what i didn't realize is that i signed about 60 days after congress had cut off the gi bill and you know this was post vietnam right. so the country was angry and end of the politicians, you know, followed suit instead of stand, having a backbone and standing for the veterans. Um, they cut off the GI Bill. So as of June 15th, 1977 to August 15th, 1991, with a few exceptions of some really poor, minute, you know, supposedly help you with your education programs, there, there's no GI Bill for an entire generation and a half of veterans. 
and I'm in that, and I'm I'm in that gen I'm in that generation. I signed about literally signed about 60 days after the GI Bill was discontinued by by our Congress. You know, this is something that just shows me how little I actually know, because I never knew that that was ever, there was ever a pause in that program. This is okay. Oh, big pause. Matter of fact, um, well, let's go on. We'll talk about that after I kind of brief you on my I, but don't get me wrong. I signed on the dotted line. I signed that check. Um, and I do it again without hesitation. So um, I loved my time in the Corps. It was not, um, it was an interesting time for a woman to be in the Corps. Let me say that. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? That's okay too, because I had some of the most amazing experiences and met some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life and my fellow Marines and yes 99.5 of them were male were frigging amazing and I would do it again but um anyway so I ended up being on a delayed program to get in because at that time uh in 19 the late 1970s um they had apparently i was told that it was funnier and heck if you think about it now looking back they had a, a quota for one woman a year now that wasn't per recruiting office that was per recruiting district <laughs> so you, you were really elite tina <laughs> but what's so funny is i signed and i thought okay you know every Everyone else I knew that had signed to be military, they were, you know, of course, everyone else I knew was, of course, you know, uh, a young man, and they were all gone. And I'm still waiting, and I'm waiting. I don't get to go to boot camp. I get shipped off until Christmas Eve, 1978. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> it's a good thing I graduated high school early, or else, you know, <laughs> I would have been, like, getting ready to. Um, but... Uh, it was, and we had the same basic training at that time that the men went through. We were just completely segregated. Okay. Um, and uh, we did 12 weeks, you know, we did the regular Marine Corps training. And there was a period of time where that changed um, for young women. And they went through a different type of training and it was shortened, which I think was a huge mistake. You Can do. I say huge mistake? You Because if you're a Marine, you're a Marine and you need to go through the Marine training. Um, and I don't believe in any way, shape or form minus health concerns that training should be different. Um, you know, but, if, if I may, sure, you're in the minority, like, 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 you know, I've had, you know, current Marine officers, female officers, female enlisted tell me that there must be different training for the women Marines and the male Marines. Well, the reason I say, and I don't mean, you know, everything must be the same weight and what, you know, you, when you're doing physical training and um, when you're doing rock sack training or, you know, anything like that, when you're out in the field, you know, you do have, there was times I carried a pack that was almost as heavy as me because of the type of job that I had, because I had special equipment I had to handle and stuff like that. But um, I was small. I was five foot three and... <laughs> You poor, oh three, my God. And I was a former gymnast and I'd been an athlete my whole life. In fact, I was a competitive athlete till I was 50 years old. But um, if it comes to, like, I agreed with the difference in uh, the times, like the running times um, and, and, and those type of things. But, and I'm, I was always on the always on the fence about the pull-ups you know the arm hang it was so funny because a lot of my friends almost all of them male of course in the marines i used to tell them hey you know i can hang for two minutes can you you know try and you'd I, be I, surprised they could not do it so it was like but i could up. do pull-ups <laughs> but so what was your what was your mls what was your mls it changed a lot 
um, I was kind of an experiment. Um, so anyway, I went through basic and um, all through boot camp, they kept, I kept having to march on the yellow line on the side of the road. You know, first it was a bunch of us and it kept whittling down back to the testing center at Paris Island, right? And um, pretty soon it's two weeks before graduation and I'm marching on the yellow line all by myself to the testing center <laughs> and I get tested again in this big room. Of course, everything's, you know, paper-based then. You're talking 1979 by this time. Um, and I took it again and, and you know, they, the ASVAP can be changed up, you know, the questions can be changed up. There's probably four or five copies or different kinds of things. It's funny because in my later life, I kind of worked on tests like that in organizational psychology and development, and uh, that's another story. But, um, and I couldn't figure out why I kept being tested. It was just odd. So after about a few more days went by and I got called in and to the DI hut and um, Staff Sergeant Harvell, my, our senior DI head and uh, was there with the Colonel and God help me, I just forgot her name, but she ended up being like the first woman general, Marine Corps general. Okay. Help me out. Um, I can uh, see her face clear as day. Uh, yeah, it, it's escaping me. Yeah, but, um, and we got called in there and it was, and the colonel was there and then there was a captain um, who had done part of our um, introduction, you know, induction days. Um, and they were all sitting there and, you know, you're in there and you're all standing at attention, you know, remember not to lock your knees. You don't want to go face first. <laughs> but, uh, and they said, they explained to me that, you know, they said, you're probably wondering why you had to take tests so many times and this, that, and the other. And, and of course you say, yes, the private is wondering, you know, cause you can't say regular language, right? So funny looking back on it. You can't even say that kind of, can't even talk like that now, but, um, and they explained to me that um, uh, they thought I had been cheating because I I was getting these really, really high scores. And so they just wanted to make sure that it was repeatable. But, and it was, you know, and I apparently, I don't know, I apparently scored very high. And, you know, they were like, kind of like what this girl doing in the Marine Corps. <laughs> anyway, so they were just opening up a, a brand new and computers were really at their, you know, yeah, every, yeah. yeah. I mean, you had Univac systems that filled full rooms, huge rooms. And that's basically the laptop in front of you right now. Right. 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 Um, anyway, they were starting this new school and they, and it basically was everything from learning how to build a computer from vacuum tubes, you know, transmitter receiver when you're out in the field for emergencies to being able to learn the learn programming language like C, C plus, which Cobol? by the Did way, you some COBOL? COBOL, Fortran, um, you, uh, Univac language. I learned how to uh, program an ASCII character. I mean, you know, you're talking the beginning and then also still had like the my, IBS. My, nerd, my, my inner computer nerd cyber guy is going off the charts right now, <laughs> Tina. You're speaking my language. And then even when I, and so it, it, they didn't have a name for it. So they called it Data Tech A School. So that's what they called this very intensive computer school. And yes, it was a lot of data and this and that. But, um, and it was, um, it was, it was intense and it was, you know, quite long. It was, uh, and then they sent me um, up to, um, I was supposed to go to, um, I think it was uh, headquarters at El Toro, but then it, it got there and they didn't have the equipment for me to work. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden, then they, they had moved most of the data intelligence at the time for the air wing to HAM-16. And I'm not letting anything, any secrets or anything go. This is like, you know, 45 years ago. Um, I'm old. Uh, so 
<laughs> you said it, not me. I don't want to get in any trouble. Oh, please. I earned every day. I'm not one of those. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I was waiting at El Toro and waiting for my orders. And I finally got them and they sent, sent me to LTA, um, tested where the old uh, World War II blimp hangers were. And they had all the helicopter squadrons in there. And I originally was at HAM 16 and, and they called it data analysis. And we input all, everything you can think about that has anything to do with data that might have to do <laughs> with the air wing, right? And we even had machines. I mean, we had everything from the old IBM 4110s that had card drums. No, I'm not kidding you. And you had to program the card, the card, and then yeah, and then we had the, then we had the first six-inch floppy drive. You dropped it in. Yes. Yes, and and it was so we had that too. Um, we we had the first um, over uh, lines that could go overseas. I mean, you know, it was very cool, cool little tiny itty bitty place, but jam packed of cool stuff. And then. And then we would, um, you know, basically work with, you know, the main, the rest of our main nerd guys, you know, me included, um, and, you know, over at the main base, El Toro. But, uh, and so we did everything for all the squadrons. And then they decided to put the squadrons online, the air wing squadrons online. And this was around, right at 1980. And, um, so we started putting, and of course, the desktops were just like, you know, the, the CRTs were just enormous. And um, we uh, helped put um, myself and two others that worked in the office, James Vineyard. And I've wondered many, many, many a time what happened to Gunny Vineyard. He, I, I knew it last I heard he had made Gunny and I haven't been able to find him. But he was like one of those off the chart, big brain people. Um, I, I can't even tell you or explain to you how smart this man was. I mean, you know, I mean, so smart, you know, he didn't sleep because his brain never turned off, right? <laughs> he was amazing and worked with so many amazing people. I, I'm so fortunate. Um, Anyway, so we put the squadrons online and then we had to put train maintenance admin people, right? To do data and data analysis. Well, that, that's easy. that wasn't as easy as it sounded. <laughs> you gotta do all kinds of, you know, you gotta put the data in a table, you gotta normalize the data, then you gotta get it to actually do stuff. Right. And you were all on the ground floor. And we were, and we, we were doing all the writing of the programs and everything to make the data work and everything, everything. It was so cool. Um, and then anyway, so then they decided they needed data analysis. Um, and then that was about the time that the DOD and Department of the Navy decided I that, you know, they should probably figure out if women could deploy, right? Yeah. Although it was against the law at the time, right? You There was a law. Women could not deploy. They could be TAD'd over, right, fly, you know, but couldn't be with a combat squad. So I, from what I understand, it was kind of labeled an, an experiment. <laughs> and there was... I think all told, I'm as far as I know, it was only West Coast. It could have some on the East Coast with, but I'm not sure if, but I was one of like five or six women that I knew of that received, you know, training to go to a combat ready squadron, you know, what would, you know, that type of thing. And then I, was basically the data analyst for all of it. Um, and they put me in HMM 164. And I did, it's a 40, was a 46. I was going to say that uh, we ran into them in Yuma. They were a, yeah. a, a 46 squadron. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
And I deployed a, a couple times with them. But, and you know, we did some things and this and that. Like we took, um, they, overseas, they still had some of the old, believe it or not, 34s from the Vietnam era with still bullet holes in the fuselages. <laughs> and <laughs> so we took the new 46 Echo. Well, the, the modified 40s that were modified up to echo grade. And we took them and traded them out. Um, and uh, we went over in three phases the first time. And um, there was, and we went in big C5s, six birds per C5, all the GSE, you know, the other stuff, you know, the rest of the equipment. Uh, with some people up, you know, we were way up top, um, you know, sitting up there. And so, um, and we, you know, were landing on Okinawa and taking off and land. Well, there was big protests outside the front gate because, apparently, you know, Okinawa is on three or four coral pillars. That's what holds up that island. Apparently, the C-5s landing and taking off several times apparently damaged one of the pillars <laughs> at that time. And the uh, Japanese people and government, you know, understandably, were a little upset. Um, so uh, that was a very interesting time. You know, I mean, they were, they were protesting outside the gates and everything, and we were there. But interestingly enough, you know, we did all this stuff, and, you know, you do stuff on deployment. You know, things get done on deployment. Um, and then when we come back, you know, we're all standing out there and, and this happened, you know, every time we went on a mission or did anything. And I, of course I'm with them. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you're all lined up and, you know, the big guys come along, the brass comes along and, you know, they pin on the campaign medal or the overseas medal or whatever. I wasn't, I never got any of those. I never was allowed to be given any of those because I technically was not there. I wasn't experienced. And so interestingly enough, all it says in my record book is TAD HMM 164, nothing else for all the time I was there. And interestingly enough, um, I now, I have been denied three times entrance into the VFW because I cannot prove that I ever went overseas. <laughs> because, yeah, so I've been denied uh, to entrance into, the, now, interestingly enough, they said I can join the women's auxiliary. I don't think so. <laughs> no, not, not, if, not if you went overseas, that's the, that's why I can't join the VFW is, even though I didn't serve in combat, I didn't go overseas or like, you. It's not happening. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But you did. Yeah, I did. Um, so that was, you know, and that was wonderful, just fabulous. But what they did allow me, um, and I and I don't hold what happened against the Marine Corps. They it was it was like it, it was like you were a person of your time. You know what I'm saying? That's the way the times were. Um uh it it is, you know. Um, it is what it is, but, uh, I was able to, when I signed another contract, um, I had to go a year active reserve because the billet wasn't open, but they allowed me, uh, to be able to join INI staff. And I joined INI staff and helped train reserves at INI, uh, F company at Fort Douglas, Salt Lake city. And they had three reserve units. Um, they, and I was, um, admin and, uh, logistics and, um, <laughs> marvelous. We had three units. We had a, a, we had no three unit, you know, a ground unit. We had a GSE and a motor pool unit. And we had a, one of the best scout sniper units, uh, in the mountain West. And so... I also had the privilege of being one of the few women ever to serve, you know, in uh, a training capacity, you know, although I didn't train them how, how to shoot, but in a logistics capacity uh, for a uh, scout sniper unit. So um, 
just marvelous, wonderful, amazing stuff, right? Um, and so many leaps were made uh, that I was able to be part of in um, technology and um, just how to serve. And you know what's crazy is one of the main reasons I was chosen for the program is back then you had a W before your um, service number or your social security number. It went to your social security number and you had a W before it. So they knew you were a woman, right? Mine got dropped. <laughs> so, <laughs> darn so, paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> Mine got dropped somewhere along the line. And so <clears throat> I did get, you know, I got a set of, you know, orders, you know, and they were Tina M. Betts. And, you know, to, to go with us and get deployed. And I was so excited. Well, they got kinked like, you know, it was like 30 days out. No, no, that was a mistake. You know, yeah, you got to stay at Hams. Okay, whatever. Well, then about six months later, I got another set. Only this time they were TM vets, right? So they had dropped my first name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how, how long were you in the Marine Corps for then? I spent active uh, around eight years, eight years. And then I was uh, four years, um, mostly active reserve. And then the last couple of years, um, I was um, IRR, largely because they didn't want me drilling because I was pregnant. <laughs> so they were like, nope. And that's also why I ended up, and I ended up being on contract almost 16, but, um, and I couldn't get anyone to reenlist me uh, when I went and was checked in because I was pregnant with my second child. And um, I ran up against an old core top and he was like, I don't have any line items for WMs. <laughs> and I was like, just re-enlist me. That's all I want you to do is re-enlist me. And then I could, because the, my kid's father was also a Marine. Um, and so he, of course, by this time, we're getting um, close to <laughs> um, when August of 91, when we first went into Kuwait, right? And um, so I just wanted to get re-enlisted so I could go, you know, one week in a month active reserve. Um, and um, I just couldn't get anyone to do it. Uh, they, you know, they just weren't, I just couldn't get anyone to do it. Um, and then, um, and it, I also was probably should have been, and, um, and I'm going for it now, but um, I broke, for all intents and purposes, broke my back while I was in. Um, and, you know, I, I cracked two vertebrae, um, herniated two discs, dislocated my hips, and, um, uh, you know, had a lot of ligament damage from my sacrum to my lumbar spine, and uh, ended up, it was, it was a bad time. Um, oh, I'm sure. And I ended up going to Oakland Naval Hospital, and that, all that. But at that time, you're talking, you know, the, the mid to late 80s, mid 80s. The only way a woman got a medical discharge is if she was pregnant. Did you know that you were medically discharged if you were pregnant? Huh. Um, and you were, you got a medical discharge. Well, what they did is they put you on administrative duty until you had the baby. And they did have maternity uniforms, but, you know. They made sure you were put on a duty where no one saw you a lot, <laughs> which is stupid. But, um, uh, and then after you had the baby, you had six weeks of medical care and then they discharged you. Uh, but that six weeks of medical care was considered disability, medical disability. They discharged you with an honorable but administrative discharge. Um, so the fact that I had, you know, back trauma. And I also had, you know, had basically got my lungs freezer burned. <laughs> you know, none of that. What was it on the job? Accident? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but none of that, you know, I mean, they just didn't discharge women medically, period. I mean, there's, I, back then I actually met some wonderful um, Navy and Army nurses that I used, you know, they were trying to get, 
um, benefits, just, you know, disability benefits going for, you know, former Vietnam nurses and stuff. And they, they never even ever got disability. Um, so the, now that all that's changed and it's so fantastic, you know, huge strides have been made. And I think on all sides of veteran care, there's strides still to be made. It doesn't matter if you're male or female or, you know, purple with green spots. Um, you know, there's strides to be made, but then that's the point is always move forward, always make improvement. Um, you know, don't boo-hoo, do what you can to correct where you are right now. You're not going to change the past. The past is informing the present, right? Yeah. The past is informing the present. Now, um, shoulda, coulda, woulda never got you anywhere. So, and if all your efforts before were for, didn't go anywhere, then guess what? Start again. Um, and if you're really ticked off, then be ticked off for a little while, then take a deep breath and get out of your own way and do it and do whatever you can get done, right? So nothing's ever going to be perfect. Nothing's ever going to be right 100%. But um, do what you can. And remember, it's not all bad. Even back when it, you were going through the crap, it's not all bad, right? It wasn't all bad then. It's not all bad now. There's aspects that need to be changed, that we need to work together on to be changed, like that GI Bill thing. Um, you know, I'm, um, <laughs> I'm probably $150,000 still in debt from all my degrees. And very frankly, with a stroke of a pen, just like they gave, you know, and also during that period of time, those veterans from 77 to 91, um, well, actually it was 77 to a little before 91. We had most of our medical technically not taken away from us, but it wasn't available to us because we had to be indigent to get care at the VA. In fact, my brother who served in the drug wars in the army down in Central America, right? Yep. And he's that same period of time and he, ha he has a construction company. He actually fell off a roof and had to have his, you know, the closest hospital they took him to was the VA hospital. On the way there, he had to quick deed his company, his house, and his trucks over to his daughter, who was, is his book, you know, office and bookkeeping manager, so that he could get care at the VA. Now, this was quite, so, you know, a few years back, several years back, but that's what it took. My brother had to be technically indigent for them to operate on him. Now, that was signed back in. We got our benefits back, regardless of how much you earn. Um, President Trump did that in September 2019, I believe, with an executive order. Now, I, it was rumored, I don't know for sure, but it was rumored he was getting ready to do a, the same type of executive order to wipe out all veteran educational debt because veterans shouldn't have educational debt. I am, period, period. We should not have educational debt. We don't ask a lot of the country. Take care, you know, Lincoln set it up so we could have, take care of us, you know, if we're sick or if we're injured. Take care of us if we wanna go further in our life, like we took care of you. So pay for our education. And I, and I wanna get a campaign going I want all veterans to get on board, regardless of their service, regardless of when they served. I want them to get on board and I want us to start a huge campaign with our politicians and our president to wipe out veteran debt, educational debt. It's the right thing to do, right? Now, um, now that's my soapbox. Just so you know, that's my pet, that's my pet project. Um, and we're not talking about the bakery now, but we will. But uh, we were talking about the, all that. But all in, I want to get that out there because there are so 
many veterans and my generation who literally chose not to go to school, even though it had better, better their families, even though it would better them, even though it would have provided better for their, you know, uh, for their life. They chose not to because they, they couldn't see being burdened with the debt. And um, what's crazy is in my case, you know, I, I, I paid for, you know, I paid and paid and paid student loans for, you know, 10 plus years you know, longer. And I paid off all the original amounts. Everything I owe is interest. <laughs> and it's like, honestly, really? Let it go. Um, and I just, you know, I, I just don't think it's right. Even now, you know, I hear about some saying, um, you know, there, there's special programs for education for the vets, but I even hear about some vets still taking out ed loans and I'm like, wrong, wrong. These guys went over in the sand and wrong, you know, no one should have to do that. And, um, yeah, so that's my soapbox, Travis. So there you go. If you're going to join in with me, I'd love that. Well, I, I definitely want to put to the veteran community. I, I think a lot of us think about, you know, certain situations. It's like, well, you know, again, we're not asking for a lot. We can take the education that we're getting and you're going to get that back in the, in the right. value we provide. It's a very interesting thing in general. I mean, you know, I, my GI bill ran out and, you know, I didn't use all of it, but I'm like, darn, you know, I did pay into that. So it, it's interesting. And I'd like to put this out there to other veterans watching this. What do you think? You know, it, it, let's get a group together and talk about this. So it certainly brings up as a topic. So you do all this cool technical stuff and make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, it is cool stuff <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like you know because i i learned on a ti-99 for a you know ibm oh PC. wow yeah yeah that's where i got my start in basic and stuff like that so you got to work on like the real cool old stuff that, that we just heard about it was legend and, and and you do all this and you serve in this capacity in the marine corps and you you transitioned out how do you go from computers to baking? Um, well, actually, I was raised in the catering and restaurant business. Okay. Um, my mama was Ernie. Her name was Ernestine. And that's where it comes from. Yes. And okay. everyone called her Ernie. Uh, my pepper was, was Ernie. His name was Ernest. I come from a big family of French farmers. Um, and my mama was... Uh, Literally God's gift of food, anything to do with food. It didn't matter if it was baking, cooking, braising, preserving, smoking. I mean, I mean, everything, you know, um, and she was, and she ended up starting a catering business and we had a restaurant and stuff, but she ended up starting being catering and we catered all over Washington, Oregon, everywhere. Um, and she, it just was everyone knew Ernie's catering, you know, it, she, we did everything like thousands of weddings and conventions. And I can't even tell you, I mean, I did my first full on, um, uh, catering event where I was, I headed up all the cooking and preparation and the crew and everything. I was 15, you know, so, uh, you worked in my family, you know, you, you worked, you just, no one was on the sidelines, you know, and when babies started joining the fray, you know, literally they sat in high chairs in the kitchen and they were like taste testing, taste testers. Um, it was awesome. Uh, so so but, you get out of the Marine Corps and, and, and what caused you to say, you know, I'm going to open this bakery. And this is, so ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm getting this message over uh, the Facebook group veterans referring veterans and Tina reaches out to me and we start talking. It's how we got, you know, connected, but I'm like, how does a Marine go from the Marine Corps to starting a business like this? Well, actually I, when I first got out of the service, um, 
I leaned heavily on uh, my IT background and I started working in IT positions, you know, and um, just small positions because, you know, there, it still was in its infancy a bit when I got out. I mean, it was starting to have, it was more, it was starting to really get along with things back in 19, I'm thinking 87, first time I got out. And then of course, then I went in again. And then when I, um, but, uh, and so I started leaning heavy on my IT experience and I got, you know, help desk jobs. And then I got, you know, um, analyst jobs. And then I started getting really into the organizational development side of the IT world. Um, and um, I got, I started walking the line. I had a, I realized I had a real skill and talent and I developed this in the Marine Corps, working with, you know, the officers and the general staff and the guys on the, the flight line and the GSE and then the admin guys, you know, they all talk a different language. And I was in the middle with being able to say, you know, who was full mission capable, who was partial mission capable, who, who was going to be cannibalized. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I had to learn how to walk the line between everybody and speak everybody's language, basically work language. And then, especially in HMM 164, um, I started creating kind of a common language, you know, about things so people could understand where they were in certain projects, you know, certain birds. And then, so I took that, took that skill and with organizational development, I started, and I went back to college. I did some college in the Marine Corps, uh, between deployments and missions and stuff like that. Um, and then, and then I took that skill. And by this time, of course, I have a small family, young children and, um, I started walking the line in organizational development and bringing together the sides of sales, IT, um, you know, everything from warehousing, distribution, um, you know, corporate and bringing them in and let them all be able to speak a common language and know where they were. Everyone was on the same, everyone was at the same stage and speaking the same language when they were talking about a particular customer. Well, and I have worked largely in finance and healthcare IT. Fascinating worlds, fascinating worlds. I just, I uh, can't even tell you. I mean, love those two IT worlds. Um, but, uh, and then I created, I basically created this whole program and I, I just was able to put it out from company to company to project to project to project. And then I became an independent consultant and I did it there. But the whole time I did this from the time I got out of the Marine Corps, well, and I became a single mama very, very young when my kids were very young. Um, well, no matter how good you are in the IT world, you know, any single parent, I don't care if you're male or female, any single parent needs a second job doing something else to bring money in. And for me, I had a talent with cooking, chefing, and baking. So I would private chef on the side parties and stuff like that. Um, and then I started um, a baking business on the side and specializing in the holiday season and stuff like that, you know, and, and it really, you know, helped bought all the, you know, school clothes and winter clothes and, you know, the school ski trips and, you know, whatever was needed. Right. 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 Yeah. And then when I, you know, the kids were grown and, you know, doing their thing on and off and my, everyone's starting their lives. And I had been doing this independent consulting gig thing for a while. Um, and all of a sudden I thought, um, maybe it's my turn. And I took a huge leap of faith and um, I still do a little bit of consulting on the side, mostly for people who have known me for a long time and they'll call me and I'll do a day or two of, um, you know, high end project consulting. Uh, but um, I fixed up my house with the help of 
my daughter and business partner, Lydia, and uh, my son, you know, when he was, could get all, he worked heavy equipment. Um, and I fixed it up and, did, and then sold my house of 20 years and um, took all the proceeds and built my bakery. <laughs> so huge, just did it. So, and, so you just did it and, and you've been doing it a while and we're on the Veterans Referring Veterans Facebook group. And, you know, you reach out to me and, mm -hmm. you know, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, she said she's a baker. I'm like, I've heard this before. I've heard <laughs> this before. Let me, let me give the test. I said, well, you know, hey, Tina, I happen to be an oatmeal raisin cookie connoisseur. And in true Marine Corps fashion, ladies and gentlemen, she <laughs> says, I make a darn good oatmeal raisin cookie, the best you ever have. And that, to me, sounded like a challenge. I said, you know that what? That was throwing down the glove. I'm telling you what. I'm like, okay, I accept. And so we worked it out. And, and first of all, before we get into the, the, the real, like, special part of this show, where are you in Colorado? And what's that location like for, for your uh, store? Um, I am, technically, my address is Conifer, Colorado. I'm on U.S. Highway 285, and I'm just above, actually, Conifer proper. Uh, pretty, I'm pretty well into the Rocky Mountains. Okay. Uh, it's a great location. It is, um, you know, it's kind of a mountain strip mall. If you can, you know, it has a big antique mall. It has a come and go. It has a liquor store. Got to have a liquor store if you're in the middle of the mountains. I'm saying, what if it's not? Uh, <laughs> and okay. it does snow about nine months a year um <laughs> so but i'm up in the rocky mountains and uh, i've been in colorado since oh geez 1997 98 my kids are basically natives and um i i love the rockies man i love the rocky mountains uh, Highway 285 is what we often call the local side to go up to the ski resorts and stuff. Um, the other side going through, you can go through gullies and passes. Um, and are you, that hits you to 70. Or if you're to hit 70, you can hit the parking lot and go up to the ski resort. Plan an extra day <laughs> to drive. Um, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's... I mean, it's the Rocky Mountains, you know? All right, so Lysa Mountain, not a beach. I'm a mountain guy myself. So she's like, I will make you an oatmeal raisin cookie that you won't forget. Or it's going to be the best you ever had. And I'm like, okay, because I've had some darn good ones. Like mm -hmm. I've had some real women who really have their cookie game dialed in. And I'm a connoisseur. <laughs> That's I, something. I, I, you know, you know, I haven't met a cookie I didn't like. There's a couple I don't like, but... Give me an oatmeal raisin versus chocolate chip or sugar cookie or peanut butter. There's something about the, the contrast of the raisin with the oats, with everything mixed in. And these have body. So here's what we came up with. She made me six cookies and told me, hey, these things are big. I'm like, yeah, right, I've heard this before. And we said, you know what? I'm going to have one and I have one right here <laughs> and I said we'll get on we'll tell your story and at the end of this for the first time ever live usually I get usually I get products from veteran old businesses and I try them out I read the book I listen to the music and then do a review we're doing this all like right now right now and I have I'm, been I'm up and I've been selling this cookie the entire <laughs> time we have been talking to you it has been like, oh my God, let's get to the good stuff. But you weren't kidding. Now, I want to show people this. This isn't, oh, yeah, there we go. This isn't like an Oreo cookie or, you know, one of those store-bought jobs that are really thin. This has to be, hang on, I got a ruler right here. Look at this. This thing, Tina, this cookie is an inch thick. Yes. And it's 
what, five? It is four and three quarters inches in diameter. This is one of the smaller ones. <laughs> this, folks, is legit. So how I did, I, I couldn't wait, Tina. I'm sorry. I just couldn't wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> what I did is I broke off the outer part of this, right? And I ate the outer part first. And now, now look at this, folks. Now, I'm a connoisseur. Now, this thing has heft. It has weight. It has truly three dimensions. Like, I can see the oats inside this thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting excited. And so then I took a bite. Oh, my God. <laughs> it wasn't hard like a hockey puck. You know, some people like to get their cookies like hard. This wasn't it. And the raisins are, are so plump. How'd you plump the raisins, Tina? I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> There's two kinds of raisins in there. That's one thing. You have golden currants, and then you do have um, the traditional sun-dried raisin, but I do a something special with them. So. <laughs> you you look say, like you're gonna cry. <laughs> let me say with authority, folks. Wow, it's a good thing I don't live in your zip code. I'd be the size of a house. I'm not a small guy anyway. My niece and Wonder Woman make my two favorites. This is. Well, you can't go past, go against your niece. You you have family to keep up. No, no, you got to earn it with me, Tina. You got to earn okay, it. Okay, okay, I got you. And she's Good. younger, so so you have the benefit of experience that she does not right. have. So she has the bar to reach now. I'll still eat her cookies. I mean, I still tell her they're great, and they are. But this oh, yeah. is this is this is a whole different class. Now, why are they this big? Because this is big. Right. I have a special pan with um that with you see how the bottom is molded yeah. I, have a, I have special baking pans that um i spoon them into so they bake like that and uh, all my cookies are that big unless i'm making them like for example i'm making um last year i did it and i'll do it again this year for the mountain resource center they feed a lot of people they have an amazing food bank and food program there and i work a lot with them i'm doing a i'm cooking the veterans a huge meal on november 10th for veterans day they're going to come in a day early and their families um but last year and i'll do it again this year like sugar cookies that's the, like uh christmas shaped cookies what you cut out and those are be the the exception for the size because um, they need to be the right size for little ones to do the frosting kits and the sprinkles and everything like that. Um, I think last year we did eight dozen cookies with individual little cups of cut different kinds of colored frosting and little sprinkles. And so we're going to do it again this year. Um, and then for the veterans, you know, so the cookies are that big, mainly because I come from a farming family, right, originally. And you don't feed hardworking farming people small meals or small cookies. You just don't do it. And then when I, I've always wanted a place that uh, was honored by Mama. And um, so when I opened Ernie's Mountain Bakery, I can't, it would be a complete dishonor to her name if I made small cookies because Mountain is right in the, in the title. <laughs> it's Ernie's Mountain Bakery, folks. I, I got to tell you, I mean, you've got a convert. I'll, I'll have to figure out around Christmas time, get another uh, supply drop from you. But I just really like the whole story uh, before we, you know, you came on the show about, you know, how you did all this transition and how you've had to reinvent yourself and your life and how you made the most of your Marine Corps career and how your, your bakery can still serve veterans and the community as a whole. And I think it's a very special thing as a veteran that, that you can show how, you know, just because you got out of the Marine Corps, your, your service isn't ended. Right. But also, I mean, you know, I, I haven't met a Marine yet that hates a cookie, Tina. <laughs> I'm telling you. All they have to do is 
get on messenger get on our facebook and get on messenger and order them and we'll send them out an, an invoice you do have to pay for shipping we don't you know that has that's we we don't add it into the cost or anything like a lot of people we put it right on top so um but yeah it's important you know your marine corps are your military service not just marine corps but you know for me it's marines and very dear and near to my heart um and I've also been involved with Toys for Tots since I was 18. So, um, you know, it's important that you understand that what you did, it continues. It may take a different form and shape, but the spirit of your service, there is no discharge date on that. You know, there is there's, no, discharge you know no discharge date. I have a two, I have a you know, a couple of DD 214s, but that doesn't mean I'm done. You know, that doesn't, I've never met most of the military I've ever met. They're not done. You know, you just, it's, it's not about propping people up. It's about helping them stand up. There you go. There you know, you go. so. Well, you have a, a new customer, and I have a new excuse now to go out on my motorcycle to Colorado. Loved riding them in, in the in the in the Southern Rockies in Arizona and California, um, and it's just great to hear the story because I think people lose that part of themselves when they get out of the military, and, and they don't find a way to reinvent themselves. And um, hey, let's let's talk about this. Um, you know, veteran student loan debt issue. Okay. You know, um, I'll have you back on and talk about that more in depth. But if you're a veteran out there, what do you think about this? Let us know. And I would definitely like to have you back on and talk about that aspect more in depth about what we can do. Well, I'd love that. And as I say, it is it is one of the things I'm extremely passionate about. Yes, I'm I have a personal investment in it and I'm not gonna deny that. Um, it would benefit me. So I, I'm putting that right out there. But there, it's just not right. It's just not right. That's what it comes down to. So many of us who signed the check, you know, we did the right thing. We did it without question. We did it because, you know, we may have had a lot of reasons for going in. But once we were there, the majority of us did the right thing. Right. Yeah. And that's all we're asking of our country. Do the right thing of our politicians, of our president. That's what we're asking. Do the right thing. Veteran debt, educational debt is wrong. It's wrong. Let's, let's talk about that more. There's a lot of veterans looking for a way to be of service. And there's a lot of people thinking that, you know, veterans are kind of okay right now, not understanding there's some very real challenges we face in different areas and this is one of them you know i know a couple of veterans who are trying to get through school or have gotten through school and you know that student loan payment it's every month and you know they're trying their best to pay it kind of yeah just... and the not only is just wrong period but so many people i've talked to over the years you can look it up you can literally look it up about you know the gi bill and the history and look it up on, you know, the, uh, they will tell you the GI Bill stopped June 15, 1977. And there was a few, you know, programs in there, you know, a couple of them named after congressmen. And, you know, you could put your receipts in and get some of your money back. There was the VEEP program. Oh, what a friggin' joke. You, you know, Veterans Educational Assistance Program. Oh, the, that was a, that was an insult. It was so bad. You had to put 2,500 of your money in and you could get a total, you know, matched a total amount of $7,500. So two for one from the, so for an entire college career, right? And, but if you didn't use it, you could get your $2,500 back. In fact, I have to be honest with you. I couldn't, and I had done, a whole lot. I had done a lot of college on, on base and stuff like that at, you know, the ed center and between, you know, off, went off duty and stuff like that. And when I went to look at what I, how I could finish, 
I couldn't get anywhere. I couldn't get a, a semester and a half, even way back then with all the books and the travel and everything for $7,500. So I took the $2,500 back and I actually bought baby furniture for my first child. And, 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 um, <laughs> paid, I, I bought, you know, cribs and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I had, I was going to have children and, um, I was way pregnant and I was like, I can't even finish my school. So I took my $2,500 back and I bought a nursery and also, um, you know, stocked up on formula and <laughs> did all sorts of things to get ready for my baby. Um, and then put some in savings, but, um, it was, it was a sham. Veep was a sham and the country, but so many people I've talked to, they just think like you, you're actually a veteran and you had no idea that there's a whole generation of veterans out there that had nothing. I mean, literally we had nothing. We barely even had medical care. I mean, if we were indigent or if, you know, I mean, there was so many things around it. I filled out paperwork probably a half a dozen times in that time period to get medical benefits and I couldn't qualify even, and I couldn't qualify. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know, um, I didn't qual, and I stopped doing it. I just forgot about it and like paid for everything myself, made sure I always had a job with insurance until September, 2019. When President Trump signed an executive bill. Um, but, and if I'm a little off on the dates and the time, I apologize to the listeners and to anyone watching. Um, but, you know, it, it's got to, something has to be done. It's, and education is the least of what we owe our veterans. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story. And, and you know, I, again, I, I, I am always reminded how much I don't know. And I learned a whole lot today. I, I, I'm, I'm getting more cookies one way or the other. We're going to make okay. that happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't forget to, to get on the Facebook with Ernie's Mountain Bakery and Cafe and follow us. And I'd love to have as many vets on there following as possible. There are some things, of course, I can't ship out, but... There's a whole lot of things that can be shipped out. Like I make my own French truffle chocolate from scratch from, and I make beautiful fudge and, oh, just gorgeous things. So if you're anywhere in Colorado, um, take a Sunday drive. And oh, by the way, every Sunday I make my sausage from scratch and I make sausage gravy and Southern butter biscuits. And yes, we do do gluten-free biscuits also. So, and I, and I sell that sausage gravy too. And it is the best thing besides those cookies you just ate. <laughs> and I do chicken pot pies and beef pot pies and um, lamb stew pot pies and shepherd's pie. I mean, I, it's all, I do frozen. Take you're, you're speaking perfect Travis right now, Tina, we're going to get ourselves so, out to Colorado. Life's a mountain. Get to know Ernie's mountain bakery and cafe. I would just love for so many of my fellow veterans, just, you know, if there's a bread from your childhood. I mean, I've made bread for people from all over the world. You know, they've come and like, there was a gentleman I met and he, his son and daughter-in-law lived here. He was the last of his family in Finland. He was an elder and he came and all he wanted for the holidays was limpa and pula bread. They're Finnish specialty breads. And I looked up and studied how to do it, did a couple of runs on it, you know, to make sure I could do it. And I made him that bread and he told me it was the best bread he's had since his grandma made it. So, you know, that makes it worth it right there. So if there's something from your childhood you're looking for, or just something you see that is just makes your mouth water, just let us know. Well, I will have the show post and I will have the link to Ernie's Mountain Bakery and the Oscar Mike Radio Show post. I'm going to send out a big Facebook blast to have people like your page and follow along. 
Well, Tina, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing with me and having a little fun too. And I've learned a whole lot today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me on. This was such a treasure. And I'm so glad that I picked that you picked up that gauntlet and we got those cookies made. That this is thrilling. The best part about it, the best part about it, best part about it. So as we say in Oscar Mike Radio, we are mission flight. I'm with Tina McCullough, owner of Ernie's Mountain Bakery. Go check it out. I'm going to finish my cookie and then get editing this show. This has been fantastic. Tina, thank you. I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you very much. Goodbye. I want to thank you for joining me and watching Oscar Mike Radio. Now go to OscarMikeRadio.com and click shop to check out all the cool merchandise from Authentically American. All proceeds go to veteran service organizations. We are Mission in Flight.